Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Colin Barry. Today, I'm delighted to have with us Ryan Joyce, who is head of fintech for UK and Ireland at Salesforce. Ryan and myself will be discussing some of the key trends and developments in the fintech and financial services industry. We'll also chat about how Salesforce can help and support companies within the space so they can continue to scale and grow revenue, as well as deliver great customer experiences across every channel. Firstly, thanks, Ryan, for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, Colin. So just to kick things off, how long have you been at Salesforce? And could you tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming head of fintech? Sure. Uh, I've been with Salesforce for seven years. So I joined in 2014. Back then, the company was a lot smaller in size. We had uh, roughly 150 employees in the UK on one floor in an office in London and only about four products in the portfolio. So life was a lot more simple, uh, but I've really enjoyed the journey. After five years of supporting some of our leading customers in the financial services space with their digital transformation, I had the opportunity to set up the FinTech team in the UK 18 months ago. And it's the first country in the world to have a dedicated team focused on the FinTech industry. That's brilliant. And, you know, thanks very much for sharing your journey with us. And as a Salesforce partner, we're really lucky to work with many great clients in the financial service industry. I'd love to get your perspective on what you are seeing as the major trends currently in financial services and fintech. Absolutely. I think it's, it's always difficult just to pick one trend. There's so much happening in this space. And uh, fintech is... Uh, pervasive across all aspects of financial services. But if I was to pick on perhaps one mega trend that will disrupt not just fintech, but financial services and other industries at the same time, I would point towards beyond banking. Beyond banking is really about companies providing a, a platform or an ecosystem to support many different products and services to manage Uh, every aspect of a customer's need. So in effect, it's a much more customer-centric model around financial services or around banking. So let me touch on two examples to bring that to life a little bit. First example would be the home purchasing journey. So rather than an individual like myself or yourself applying for a mortgage, in fact, what we really want is help to find our dream home. We want to research a location. We want to place an offer. Yes, we want a mortgage, but we also want help with removals, with home security, with home insurance. Perhaps we would need a a bridging loan for home improvements. We want to order new furniture online. And so there's a whole ecosystem of products and services that could be provided around that. A second example would be for the small business owner. If I'm a small business owner, I don't just want a loan from a bank or an overdraft. In fact, I might need help to set up my company structure and shareholdings to establish my international trade or import and export strategy, help with compliance on issues such as GDPR, uh, and a whole raft of, of other things to support my growth. So this model creates many opportunities and and many threats. If we were to look at the first example again, 
the opportunity around those ancillary services is estimated to be beyond 25 billion pounds of total addressable market in the UK for the fees associated with those services. And the companies that can step up and really own that space or own that journey are going to see increased loyalty and increased market share and create some nice barriers to entry around their customer base. The threats, of course, are that in a world where customers are looking for a more holistic experience, then you're going to see a lot of new entrants into the financial services space to try and target that. So in the home buying experience, you might see a right move or a Zoopla try to encroach on financial services. In fact, we've already seen Taylor Wimpy, a home builder, starting to offer mortgages with a six-month advance, which frees up capital to allow the home purchaser to spend on their furniture and you know, enjoy the first half a year in their house with, uh, with, with less financial pressure. So it's a really interesting space. It's very disruptive. And I think there's lots more to come over the next few years. Yeah, there's some really great points there. And kind of customer experience really is the new battleground, isn't it? It's also amazing to hear how quickly the industry is changing and to get an insight into some of those opportunities and threats is great. So thanks for that. And being so close to the ground, how is it currently playing out? What are you seeing in the market? We're seeing a bifurcation in strategy on one side, there are the ecosystem players that almost want to be the one-stop shop and own that entire experience. And then the alternative strategy would be embedded finance, companies that are very good at building market-leading products and then embedding them into other companies' uh, services or ecosystems. So let's expand on that a little bit. If we take the second example that we touched on, the small business owner, you can start to see marketplaces emerging to provide those suites of products and services. Revolut for Business is a great example. Starling have a marketplace. Some of the more established players like HSBC, Barclays and Santander seem to be leaning in that direction as well. With Revolut for Business, you can actually log into their marketplace and as a small business owner, get access to Salesforce CRM to uh, bookkeeping or accountancy packages from Sage or QuickBooks or Xero, access to tools for cash flow management or for expense management and access to legal and tax services and, and so on. And a lot of these marketplaces are still finding their feet and are still maturing and still adding more partnerships and products and services to them. But it's very interesting to see how that's playing out. And Big tech are also entering this space as well. So you'll have seen Amazon are partnering with Goldman Sachs and they will lend up to a million dollars to a small business or a, a merchant that is part of their marketplace. And Alibaba are doing something similar in Asia with Cabbage. On the other side of it, embedded finance, I would point towards companies like Funding Circle and Iwaka who provide alternative lending for those small businesses. That could be through the form of a secured or an unsecured loan or perhaps some invoice financing. And rather than doubling down on a marketplace, they are really focused on creating the best products that they can and then embed them within accountancy platforms or bookkeeping platforms like Intuit, Sage, 
uh, QuickBooks or Xero. So you're starting to see how the ecosystem shifts around and there are these really interesting kind of co-opetition uh, partnerships that, 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 that begin to emerge. And embedded finance isn't really a new thing. Uh, you know, another great example that has been present for probably 10 years now that we're all used to is the whole buy now, pay later idea. So a company like Klarna, for example, will offer credit at checkout on a website. If you're about to spend £100 on some night trainers or some Bose speakers, you can pay for that in monthly installments if you prefer to. And so there's many, many use cases around embedded finance and uh, and also the marketplace uh, concept as well, which is creating more and more choice and flexibility for customers. Right, there are some great examples and really brings to light the amount of competition going on in the sector, but it's really exciting to hear. And this obviously throws up many challenges for traditional and non-traditional institutions. So kind of poses the question for me is, who will be the winner and losers here? Uh, which companies will thrive and who will be left behind? Yeah, it's a really great question, and it's a really hard one to answer. <laughs> it's still very early days. I think what we know for sure is that it's moving very quickly, and as we've touched on already, it, there's a lot of disruption happening. For me, the most important thing is agility. So companies that have flexible platforms and, uh, and hire the best talent are going to be able to respond very quickly and pivot towards new opportunities and perhaps back out of ventures and fail fast if they're not working particularly well. So many of the more established fintechs that we work with are now expanding into new geographies, approaching new customer segments, launching new products, having to respond to changes in regulation at, at, at speed. And so they will lean in and invest in the Salesforce platform for a number of reasons. Firstly, single source of truth and customer 360. The ability to have a single view of financial goals, transactions, assets owned, enables a great deal of personalization and intelligence around how you engage the customer. Second is complete CRM. Our platform helps companies manage the entire customer journey end-to-end, -end, from acquisition to an e-commerce or sales experience, onboarding, origination, customer service, customer success, renewals, <clears throat> and also managing the, 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 the lifetime value of a customer with your brand. And third would be the underlying capabilities within our platform that enable that agility. Lots of tools under the hood that allow for workflow automation, <clears throat> for integration, for security, for collaboration, for building mobile apps. And increasingly important is API management, particularly if you're looking at an embedded finance strategy or you're running a marketplace because you quickly wanna launch new products and you quickly want to embed new products. And a lot of that is done through APIs. The other thing, the final thing that I'll point to is that we're seeing a real move or rise, should I say, rise around artificial intelligence. There are lots of great use cases for this and we've embedded AI throughout the Salesforce platform. And so 
from a marketeer's perspective, personalization at scale, being able to track a customer's interact customers' interactions across many different channels, the mobile app, the website, and then be able to personalize offers in real time is incredibly powerful. From a service perspective, being able to respond to queries quicker and more seamlessly using chatbots is huge. And uh, natural language processing of customer interactions across all channels, whether that's phone, email, or live agent, to enable a, a, a human to to assist that human with the next best action or the most relevant knowledge article to respond to that query is also incredibly powerful. And then also we're seeing a lot around predictive analytics, the ability to predict a failed payment or potential fraud or a loan that might be delinquent or about to default in advance. And so we're seeing a lot of investment around artificial intelligence to give fintechs that edge against uh, traditional players um, around the customer experience. That's brilliant. And you made some excellent points there around personalization, customer 360, APIs integration. And like over the last few years, this concept of open banking has become the talk of the town. How does open banking play into all of this? Yeah, open banking is huge. And something that's really been pioneered out of the UK, which we should all be very proud of, We are ahead of Europe and and the US, certainly, in this respect. Open banking was a regulation that encouraged financial services providers or mandated, should I say, that financial service providers share data, customer data, with other providers if the customer provides consent. So that's a framework or a vehicle, if you like, for any business, new or existing, to build some really creative propositions or business models on top of that. So at the moment, again, it's something that's kind of in its infancy, but we we have seen three very impactful use cases so far. Onboarding, alternative credit scoring, and single view of wealth. So around onboarding, if I'm working with provider A and they've referred me to a product or service from provider B, If I allow them to share my data, then it will streamline the onboarding process, less forms to fill in, much quicker for me to get access to that product or service and to be approved for it. Secondly, around credit scoring. So if I'm a small business owner and uh, and I'm applying for a loan, well, traditionally, I would submit my financial statements from the year prior. And then a lot of analysis is done and a lot of hard work is done to figure out whether I'm credit worthy. But with open banking, my banking provider can automatically share my my last three months of bank statements, for example, so that the lender can see, get a a good deal of insight into my current cash flow and how how is that trending and where am I spending the money? And what income am I generating? And so with that nearer time view and that additional detail, it it would give me as the borrower more choice because there would be more companies willing to lend to me and the lenders are able to manage their risk better. And then the third would be single view of wealth. And so uh, you, you may have used Money Hub or 
uh, Monzo or some of these other PFM tools. But the ability to log in and then starting to add all of your other accounts into a single pane of glass so that you can see all of your current accounts, all of your cards, all of your investments, your savings, your pension, all in one place allows you to manage your money in a, in a more intelligent way. And for that service provider to start adding lots of tools and analytics around that to assist you. And another great use case would be with a company like Snoop, for example. So they will ingest all of your card and current account data on a monthly basis so that they can see all of your transactions and then start to recommend personalized offers around utility switching or cheaper insurance deals. And so their goal is to save every household in the UK over a thousand pounds a year, which is you know tremendous in terms of driving down the uh, inequality gap. Yeah, I totally agree, Joran, and that's something that we've been seeing and hearing from our clients as well. And as a result, to speed up some of the implementation time, we've developed specific financial service accelerators around customer onboarding, self-service portals, a KYC anti-money laundering solution as well as a MuleSoft and Service Cloud Accelerator. And that said, maybe some listeners might think that Salesforce is perhaps just focused on large, mature fintechs. Is this the case? Absolutely not. Uh, Working with small, medium businesses is absolutely in Salesforce's DNA. If you go back 21 years to 1999, when Mark and Parker started the company, Many of our early clients were high growth tech companies that needed sales automation in the San Francisco Bay Area. And from that, our SMB business has really been the engine for growth over that 21 year period. And the enterprise business has evolved alongside that to uh, accelerate that growth. And so we recognize sometimes that there is a perception challenge because we are now a big company ourselves. But from a fintech perspective, we are taking some steps to address that. So we're actively building partnerships with VCs, with incubators, with accelerators to volunteer our time and help entrepreneurs that are at the early stage who are trying to launch their business and need the support and help from those around them. And secondly, we're launching FinTech in a Box. FinTech in a Box uh, provides a, a new company, everything that they need to to launch and to start to manage their customer data with an attractive commercial arrangement around it to really help those companies in the early phases of their growth. That's awesome. And if I'm looking at it from the point of view of maybe an entrepreneur or a new entrant or even an established company, in what other ways does Salesforce partner with fintechs? Yeah, we, we, have a model with founders that's really pivoted around three things, technology, investment, and go-to-market. So from a technology perspective, we have some really skilled industry experts at Salesforce that will engage with fintechs and look to co-create a value proposition together. Uh, and, And often we will look at that through the lens of a jobs to be done framework and be very consultative around our approach. In terms of investment, there is a direct and indirect aspect to that. So Salesforce Ventures has invested in over 400 startups globally with some notable names in the fintech space, such as Stripe, GoCardless, Snoop, 
uh, WeFox, Blend, Encino, etc. From an indirect perspective, we tried to do a lot with fintechs of all sizes, whether they are early startups or whether they are on that scale-up mission and about to go global. But as a former startup ourselves, 21 years ago, and a company that tries to maintain that startup culture and mentality, we have lots of executives that have been on that journey and have seen a lot of success, but also seen uh, a lot of mistakes made and have learned a lot of lessons along the way. So we try to pair up our executives with fintech executives to compare notes on how we think about a work from anywhere strategy, how we think about equality, how we think about sustainability, how have we scaled our operations globally? How do we manage customer success when you have over 250,000 customers? and many, many other aspects of our business model. And finally, joint go-to-market. So we have an app exchange, uh, which is our marketplace, the largest B2B marketplace in the world with over 4,000 apps that complement the Salesforce platform. And there are many opportunities or use cases for fintechs to complement Salesforce. So for example, in the payment space, Stripe, PayPal, Checkout.com, WorldPay, act as the payments rails for Commerce Cloud. Go Cardless, which is the market-leading recurring payments and bank-to-bank transfer platform, complements our revenue cloud, which is where our CPQ and billing products sit. And again, there are many, many other use cases uh, that we are always keen to explore with the fintech ecosystem. Yeah, it's great to hear those use cases. And it's really fantastic to hear the support Salesforce can provide in so many levels. So finally, Ryan, we're coming towards the end of our conversation and I just have one more question. Um, what are you excited about for this industry and for the future of the sector in general? So I love working in this industry. The number one thing for me is the social impact that we can make. In the UK, there are 13 million households that are financially insecure, i.e. they have uh, a lack of access to credit or certainly uh, borrowing money at an acceptable rate. And there are also 6 million small or medium-sized businesses that have emerged from COVID having weathered a storm, but need working capital or growth capital in order to survive or thrive. And so working with fintechs and enabling them with our technology to help address the inequality in those areas is really exciting and I think brings a real social purpose to the work that we do. And there are some really nice examples of that. You know, Pension B recently uh, IPO'd on the London Stock Exchange and recently hit half a million customers in the UK. They have saved their customers over a billion pounds on their pensions. Funding Circle was one of the top three lenders during the pandemic. They lent 1.7 billion to small or medium-sized businesses. And their customer experience was so slick that they could get from application to decision in under 10 minutes. So when you need access to capital fast, you kind of want to know whether you're going to get it or not pretty quickly. And finally, World Remit, they have helped the West transfer uh, capital back to East uh, across a, a customer base of 6 million people. But they do that Uh, charging rates that are 50% less than the banks. So some really nice examples there of how our customers are doing well and and doing good 
That's brilliant. And thanks so much for sharing the stories of those companies helping businesses and people in such difficult times. Very inspiring indeed. And well, Ryan, I think that's all we have time for today. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation and just want to say thanks again for joining us on The Perspective. Uh, You've really provided some great insights there for our listeners to take away and digest. So thanks so much for that. And uh, I just want to say thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. And I look forward to talking to you all again soon on the next episode of The Perspective. Thanks again, Ryan. Thank you very much. See you soon. Brilliant. Thanks. Bye-bye.